On this episode, we discuss The Accountant. Does the Beantown Bat Boy bring Buffo B.O.? Maybe. (laughs) 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 Bingo. Alliteration can only go so far. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, all you new listeners out there, I'm Stuart, the cool guy, Wellington. And you old listeners know me as that young whippersnapper, Ellie Kalen, who just can't keep interrupting all these other guys, for gosh darn sakes. Now, of course, I'm addressing the, the new listeners. Elliot's addressing the old listeners, because I'm sure they all came to the yard to hear us talk about the biggest movie of the world, starring with, starting with an A, The Accountant. Now, Dan, what is this podcast about before we start talking about The Accountant? It's a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh-huh. Speaking of, hey guys, I got an idea for a movie. Sure, okay. okay. <laughs> it's a new movie. Okay, called, brand new? It's called. Uh-huh. It's called. Yeah. It's called. All right. Dr. Wonka. Okay. Uh-huh. And the Cavity Factor. <laughs> okay. He's okay. a dentist. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. going to be it, tough. America also, doesn't like the dentist, just as Corbin Burnson. <laughs> it, it could also be called Dr. Wonka and the Chocolate Cavity. All right. But I like Cavity Factory. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. I already, Chocolate Cavity is gross because that's the name of my. Uh, <laughs> Gus. <laughs> Gus, say no more. Uh, Not interested. Uh, or maybe I am. I don't know. Uh, it's and, my butt. and there's a, it's a musical. There's one song okay. in there that goes like this Come with me, and you'll see. A world of dental sanitation. That's all I've got so far. Dental sanitation. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, about teeth and keeping teeth clean. No, I understand, but like, there's little like trucks that come by and yeah, because it's a world teeth. of whimsy. <laughs> so there's little trucks full of uh, they're called uh, molar lumpas. Yeah, it's okay. a crossover with Pixar's hit trucks franchise. Yeah, yeah, and uh, their hit teeth franchise. <laughs> The Pixar yeah. didn't have the the patent on teeth. Yeah, that Pixar really, made that. Mm-hmm. That must be. They've got a lot of valuable holdings, but that's got to be their most valuable one. Well, you never saw that line item in your taxes every year that just says teeth. No, and then in parentheses, copyright Pixar. Oh. That's why that that Pixar movie Teeth involves guys getting their ding dongs chopped off by a lady's teeth. Uh, no, was that a that Pixar was movie? A Pixar. Oh, that's yeah, what, I, I thought that's what you said. So the graphics were very good in that movie, <laughs> but it lacked the heart of a normal Pixar film. But it did have those Randy Newman songs in it. <laughs> Streaks on the China. No. That's <laughs> you not got a-, a friend in teeth. <laughs> you got a friend in teeth. The teeth are in a vagina. That's, that's the song for that one. Yeah, it's hard to rhyme with vagina is the problem. The song, the song just kind of abruptly ends there because Randy Newman couldn't think of a rhyme. Well, I mean, no, every now and then the, the music stops, but never then you hear him going, uh, angina? No. <laughs> Malina? It's not a word. I kind of, but where's Is it pronounced Orangina? Orangina. No, that's Orangina. Virginia. Uh, um, Chuck Mangione. No, Randy. No, you're not getting it. And it goes on like that for about 17 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Great song. Yeah, well, he's a genius. Most people have only heard the radio cut, which is much shorter. Yeah. Yeah. So So what do we do on this movie podcast where we talk about bad movies? We talk about bad movies. 
I uh, I'm gonna apologize up front. I'm gonna make one of my patented Dan apologies. One of his for pre-apologies. My what did you, you do this time, dude? Oh boy! Oh, you're getting us both sick. You're yeah, getting a listener sick. I'm getting a listener sick. My germs are coming through your ear holes right now. Mm-hmm. We're spreading like a virus. Yeah. Hey, finally our podcast like, is going viral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, um, you don't have to be crazy to do this podcast, but it helps. Yeah, it's the toughest job you all ever love. Um, <laughs> hang in there, baby. Uh, yep. Was that the Virginia Slims ad where the cat was hanging off a tree? <laughs> I thought it was yeah. a baby hanging off a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're thinking of uh, what's the movie where the guy gets killed and he comes back as a lady, and in the poster it's like a lady hanging off a gun. Ellen Barkin. Yeah, is it called Switch? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Was that I was the- very interested in that movie growing up. Yeah, because yeah. it seemed like there was a lot of... Because it's Blake Edwards, right? I think it was Blake Edwards, and I think on the poster she doesn't have pants on. Mm-hmm. She's just and wearing I'm like, like a man's shirt. I'm a kid. I loved S.O.B. by Blake Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love like a brilliant takedown of Hollywood culture. Well, <laughs> you liked that finally the, it had the topless Mary Poppins scene that everyone had been looking for. Uh, her name is Mary Topless. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. You're talking about SOB or Switch? I'm talking about SOB. You would be right then. Okay, I don't have to roast you over the coals. So it's a, it's Sob, that's the name? Yep. The name of the movie is Sob, so she cries a lot because she's like, Blake, why are you making me do this? Did Ellen Barkin ever star in a dog movie? Just just for the pun. You read my mind, the and then I rejected that thought <laughs> and didn't say it out loud because I care too much. <laughs> She's. Uh, <laughs> yep. Wait, no, you got one. No, I was right there. Tell imagining her on the uh, the circuit, you know, talking to the talk show people. But the short circuit? She's <laughs> riding Johnny Five around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's riding Johnny Five around into Johnny Carson's show, and Johnny's like, the Johnny Carson, not Johnny Five. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, He's I'm like, seeing double here. Two Johnnies. Why are you? <laughs> Which one do I shoot? Which Forget one about it. <laughs> Why are you in this dog movie? And she And they're like, is it for the kids? And she goes, no, just for the pun of it. And then she winks at the audience and she flies off on a little Peter Pan rig that she put on before the show. Okay. Oh, wow. When did this turn into the moth? (laughs) 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 So what do we do on this podcast? again? (laughs) Okay. So Dan, what do we do on this podcast for the third time? We watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And what movie did we watch? Did we watch a bad movie this time? Come on, guys. We watched a movie. So um, I think they're like, we need to really catch people's eyes when they're in the video store. So let's start the movie with A, and we need a big star. Let's also find a big star whose last name starts with A. As most video stores, which still exist, are alphabetized by the last name of <laughs> the star like, in the movie. Do we get Asmodeus to star in this movie? <laughs> it's mm, too bad. No, he doesn't exist. It's too bad there are no famous aardvarks in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be the first in the row with uh, the video. Because Arthur? Everyone, Hello. Hello. <laughs> what? Arthur the Aardvark. Uh, okay, and was he going to be in an action film? <laughs> no, well, I Can you imagine Arthur the saying there are no famous Aardvarks in Hollywood, and I had to... In Hollywood, Dan. Although he's he... not in Hollywood, he's a PBS character. Right. He probably lives Arthur in Pittsburgh. Arthur is a nerd who gets mad. Oh, and yeah. And Ben Affleck's character is a nerd who gets mad. I would have... This movie would have been more interesting if it was did star Arthur the Aardvark. Yeah, an animated Aardvark. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I stand corrected. Today. Romance there's one, is Anna Kendrick. There's one famous aardvark. He was recently. Uh, he's been in a lot of relationships with famous Hollywood actresses. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. So it's so yeah. He is in Hollywood a lot of the time, probably to visit like his girlfriend Eva Longoria. Hmm. Um. So this is a movie about a guy 
called Ben Affleck. He's, so is this movie a huge nope. success? <laughs> this movie was a middling success. And at least according to what, CinemaScore, it was like the best movie of the year. Got an A from CinemaScore. Richard Roper couldn't stop fucking jizzing on this thing. Three and a half stars. Yeah, he said, d- quote, I jizzed all over it. <laughs> he could not stop jizzing. <laughs> oh, man. He had to go to the doctor. They, they had that. to take it out of his eyeline or Eventually, else. He, was, yeah, he was so dehydrated from too much jizz. <laughs> <laughs> they st- people were just screaming at the projectionist, turn it off, you're killing him. But the projectionist had already died from from uh, de- from jizz dehydration. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like uh, the the film in, uh, what's the name of that Masters of Horror episode? Cigarette, Cigarette Burns. Cigarette Burns, yeah. That, that film that drives uh, people one crazy. One that Drew McWeenie wrote. Mm-hmm. Ain't It Cool News is, uh, which, uh, Moriarty, Moriarty, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Dan, do you want to do the plot tonight? Mr. Sicky? No, I really don't. I I, I feel you like I started fired up about it. Yeah. All the, I, okay, there's a guy <laughs> called his name is <laughs> Christian Wolf. Okay. Yep. And he's uh we see him first as a very young kid. Nope. What? Kind of. The first thing we see is the aftermath of a crime. Uh-huh. A number of dead bodies are littering a hallway, but we don't know who committed it or why. And the movie wants us to ask who committed this crime, but really what we're asking is did we walk into the middle of a different movie? And it mm. feels a lot like I'm watching like a like a first time teaser trailer for a new like crime shooter video game. Yeah, like you don't see any faces; you just see like some dead bodies and like a close up of a gun, and there's like a lot of creaking sound effects. And then it says rated M for mature at the uh-huh. end. Not for marriage. No. Uh, so Dan, okay, his ne- so you, we start out. He's a kid. His name's not Christian Wolf yet. Uh, now what's this kid? Now it's the past. We're in like the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kid, <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of Rubik's cubes and leg warmers all over the place. Mm-hmm, yeah, everybody's singing "Let's Get Physical" mm-hmm. and uh, what uh, like Disco Duck was that an eighties song? Uh, I don't know. Pac Man Fever, I think yep. probably would be. okay. Pac Man, they're all singing Pac Man Fever. He's got a Walkman, and Reagan walks through and he's like, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall in the eighties." Mm-hmm. And then, and uh, then he moonwalks out of the room. Yep, yep, exactly. And Isaac Asimov is like, I only have a certain number of years to live because I die in the early 90s. That really, that really grounds it in the it's 80s. Yeah. yeah, terrible that he knew his own death. Anyway, uh, so Dan. Yeah. Want to tell me, we're in a special setting. Some parents have brought their child to be evaluated. Yeah. The kid is a troublesome youth. And they don't say out loud what Seems, the okay uh, what the uh, uh, what do you call it? His diagnosis is yeah. This uh, this kid has difficulty handling uh, handling. He's difficulty like handling too, probably, <laughs> probably with hand rings. Yep, uh, he can't handle some uh, like an overload of sensory input. And yet he's like super smart. He's high a super genius with puzzles. He puts together a whole puzzle without looking at the picture. But when he's missing one piece, he throws a fit. And it's very clear that he is somewhere on the, the autism, autism spectrum, spectrum. which We're, should have been a better name. It, it sounds like that would have been a great name. If you don't know what the autism spectrum is, it sounds like a either a spy novel or like a pulp sci- science fiction novel, mm-hmm. like a like a CIA scientist Jack Ramekin. <laughs> thought that they were pushing the edges of reality. He didn't realize he was about to dis- about to enter the autism spectrum, and it's about like a color that drives you crazy, <laughs> uh, sure. which actually sounds like a Grant Morrison story. Now that I think about it, yep. it Do- doesn't sound like that. But uh, so he is—he's being evaluated. They, the guy runs like a home for 
children who have these kinds of special needs. And mm-hmm. he's he's got a like a little touchy-feely solution. He's like, let's study him, give him a quiet place to learn. He's like Professor X if instead of mutant powers, everyone had autism-related powers. Yeah. And uh, because this movie, and we'll get into it eventually, it is one of many movies I assume that I can I, – I feel like I've seen them, but not all of them come to mind – that posit that a, something that is – for many people in real life, a disability is actually yep. a superpower. Yeah. Well, something that is can make life difficult and other people are kind of weirded out by and either fear or treat people with that as different or like they're less than human. Uh, it shows that they're like kind of a breed apart and they are like mutants. Uh, according yeah. to these movies, yeah. Uh, so anyway, and he has a younger brother – the only, who it, they talk about how his younger brother can calm him down, but then in the scene, the younger brother just sits there and watches his brother like throw a fit. And this girl who's in the room who has her own issues gives the final piece of the puzzle to this kid, and everything's okay. And the dad, and you, is, the viewer, should be like, "That's foreshadowing." Mm-hmm. And the dad is like, "This isn't the right way to do it. He he does can't handle stimulation well. So you want to take him away from stimulation? The world is full of stimulation. He's got to get used to it. This guy is yeah. all tough love. He's like, deal with it, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. D W I M Jwim. Deal with it, man. And the, uh, yeah, he shakes his head all sassy, and you're like, yeah. wow, what's this guy's deal? Mm-hmm. And he's pl- played by Jack A. So <laughs> there's just extra sass on top of sass. Mm-hmm. He's also in the military. Yes. Uh, I don't know if we know that at the time. Yeah, yeah, they say that they have oh, to travel right. around say, a lot because of his job. That's right, it's a big exposition dump. So anyway, uh, cut to the present. And that boy has grown up to be Christian Wolf, mm-hmm. an accountant who is a super accountant. Uh, and he manages, <laughs> we, we, we learn he's an amazing accountant by this couple walk into his office and just a couple of blue-collar Joes just trying to make their family farm work. Older white people, the guy's wearing a trucker hat, the lady you can tell goes to church. She was probably prom queen, but yeah. now she's an old lady. Yeah, so she's like... <laughs> okay. So that's how, I mean, come that's, on. That's how time works. Yeah. Dan, every yeah. prom queen becomes an old lady, hopefully. That's a beautiful song that you just wrote. Every, every, old, prom, every prom queen becomes an old lady, hopefully. <laughs> every prom queen lives to see her best days pass her by. Because when you think about it, isn't it sadder if she doesn't become an old lady? Because it means somewhere along the road, something went wrong. Some heavy load just smushed <laughs> her from above. Probably a peony or an anvil. Why was she walking underneath that moving company crane she saw all those orange cones around what she did was kind of insane young prom queen you got a lot of years ahead of you full of regret but isn't it better yet that you walk under a net and not that part between the net and the building where the piano can just fall to the ground it is its sound that chain holding the piano someone should have checked it a long time ago Young prom queen. The story song. Wow, Dan's is an making art this form. like stretch motion with his hands, <laughs> like stretch the song out, like Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, which is what Lance Armstrong was called when he lied about his stuff. Yeah, Stretch the Truth Armstrong. Mm-hmm. That's a hot take. Anyway, so we learned that Christian Wolf is a wonder. <laughs> Wolf is a wonder. I thought that was what he called his penis, Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> Because what he did puppetry of the penis with <laughs> yeah, it. That's right. Yeah. He's like, Whoop. I call this one the Tour de Franc. 
<coughs> looks like a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're just putting your your penis in a hot dog bun. Yeah, plants. puppetry. Anyway. <laughs> Looks like a pretty good hot dog, doesn't it? No, don't eat your own penis, Lance. <laughs> Wait, he got uh, paid to put his penis on a hot dog bun? Would I do that shit for free all the time. <laughs> That's where you're a fool. Lance Armstrong's a genius. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I guess do what you love, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah he died as he lived with his, hot, with his penis in a hot dog bun. <laughs> so Christian Wolf shows us that he's a superstar accountant by saying, hey, that thing that you sell in your house, let's call it a business. And now your house is a place of business, and the truck you own is the business truck, and you can write it all off on your taxes, which is literally, I think, accounting 101 mm-hmm. for CPAs, which is make everything a business expense and write it off. Yeah. It's not the most amazing uh, accounting hoopla, but it really impresses this old couple who invite him out to spend time at the farm whenever they want to. And he uses their farm as a shooting range where he uses a high-powered rifle – to mm-hmm. shoot cantaloupes with unha- with unhappy faces painted on them. Uh, at a oddly short range, like so close that it it seems like overkill. He's got and one it's of those no test of skill whatsoever. No, it's like one of those enemy at the gates sniper rifles. And yeah. he's maybe like what, a hundred feet away from these cantaloupes? No, the, the guy looks at him over with his uh binoculars and he's like, It's gotta be a mile. Oh, okay. Because it didn't look like a mile. It didn't look like a mile. No. I mean, I think they could pan between him and the cantaloupes. Yeah. Also, they're called binox. (laughs) Okay. Because that reminds me of binox. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, guys, we're living in a post-wanted world. Am I to be impressed by a guy who shoots things and doesn't bend bullets around stuff? Anyone could shoot something in a straight line. (laughs) Exactly. Let's wanted it up. And nobody has a tiger tattooed on their back in this movie. (laughs) There's no magic loom. Nobody uses antique whaling bullets anymore. Okay, also, uh, Ben Affleck's company is ZZZ Accounting, because this movie really put me to sleep. Uh, <laughs> what we find out is uh, Ben Affleck is actually a super criminal accountant. He's the guy who, he's really great at unpacking books to find where money is being leaked from places. Guys, do you think there was a moment when this uh, when this script screenplay was being chopped around in the 80s when they're like, you know what, we really need ZZ Top to walk by and be like, no, that's an account. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, do they, I no, think they would, that that happened? Yeah, do you think that happened? Probably they had written in a scene with Z's house wide and they just pull their sunglasses down and look and they go, too many Z's. And they just walk away. <laughs> but they're and then like, Ziggy comes out and he's like, hey, if you had me, there's enough Z's for everyone. And then the movie comes about Ziggy joining ZZ Top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ziggy's trying to grow a beard. Not happening. No, but they sing legs about him because he doesn't wear pants. Yeah. <laughs> I like this movie. Let's make that movie instead it's called of the accountant. Z Ziggy Top. Hmm. And they're like, we're, we're on the ZZ bottom now that Ziggy joined us. And Ziggy's like, oh dear. Do you know that Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top has a coffee table book that's just like pictures of uh, of like him and his cars and guitars? And it's called Cars and Guitars. Oh, I thought it was going to be pictures of beards. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. if, you, if he's in the picture, there's a picture of a beard. Yeah, yeah but just a like, beard in it, Dan. <laughs> but a bunch of he's other basically a wizard. Yeah. Just disembodied beards. Of everybody. What, like famous beards? Yeah, famous but, beards. But removed from the people that, that's got to be a Tumblr, famous <laughs> beards on their own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here again, a beard on my own. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow, there's a song? Is, is the guitar tablature on that Tumblr? I flew off of the only chin I've known. A strong wind made me have to walk alone. 
Stuart just shook his beard, see whether he had any alcohol that could make him through this. He's like, mm, is there song. any more sleeping potion? <laughs> uh, so Ben Affleck is, we learn as when J.K. Simmons, the director of the Treasury, or no, it's the director of the Secret Service, or he's the director of some investigative body for the Treasury. I think it's, yeah, I think it's. I a- mean, the Secret Service investigates currency problems for the Treasury. That's why they were created, but I don't know. that I don't remember what he's the head of. He brings in a woman named. For all the exposition, they don't explain that. No, he brings in a woman named Medina and says to her, oh, you've been working really well as a as an assistant. Why don't you ever get asked to be promoted to agent? You're the one who's doing all these investigations. Yeah. Now, how would you describe this woman, Medina? Uh, funky, but a little cold. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she likes flying under the radar because she's got a sketchy past. Mm-hmm. She committed a crime for the right reasons. And there's she only also has situ- a tattoo of a gun right on her pelvis. There's only two situations in which you have to you have to do something for the right reasons. Be a contestant on The Bachelor okay. or be somebody who's in jail or has committed a crime. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes and- those are the same thing. <laughs> and so... Uh, J.K. Simmons threatens to re- uh, release her sketchy past if he if she doesn't find the accountant she, for him. She Sounds li- like the hero character. Yeah, she lied about, the, about being a felon. Yeah. On her form for a government job, and that's a felony in and of itself. So he says, I'm going to reveal the secrets unless you find out who this guy is who's doing all this accounting work for these evil organizations, for crime bosses and triads yeah. and terror groups. Because it wasn't enough motivation, just the fact that he's her boss and she needs to do her job, which is finding the accountant. There had to be another motivation. Well, Dan, we find out later that there is another motivation. But, the, but we'll get to all that. Right. But, we'll GTT but get up, to that. But up, do you want to trademark that real quick? Trademark, <laughs> copyright 2017, Kalenomics Industries. Okay. So wh- that, that totally just feels like the motivation <laughs> that makes no sense in the real world, but a screenwriter's like, I got it. I did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The perfect motivation. Now we already we find out that uh, Ben Affleck is he also has an English accented, basically Joan Cusack in Gross Point Blank, but we never see her, only hear her on the phone. And she uh-huh. looks out for him and arranges his jobs and is advising him always, like, "Don't go here, go there." And she sounds the like on. a Siri. Yeah, yeah, an English Siri. Was she English? It sounded English, didn't it? I don't. I mean, remember. it sounds like a robot of some. Yeah, I mean, somewhere. the whole time I was robot like, first, "Is this a nationality second. The whole time I was like wondering, "Is this a computer or is this a real person?" Yeah, uh, it turns mm-hmm. out it's both. In the end, oh. we'll get there. And, and also, uh, there were points when I thought the same thing about our friend Ben Affleck. Oh. <laughs> now Ben Affleck, we know, likes to go home at night. He eats <laughs> like all of us. Like all of us, he goes home <laughs> at night. But this is where it gets weird. He takes out his one plate. Okay, and his one set of silverware. It's a waste of water. And after dinner, from 9.45 to 10 p.m. Well, you don't know whether he's using a dishwasher. I mean, he could be individually washing those with the minimum amount of water needed to get them clean. Yeah, he probably cleans it with fucking hot sand or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, sand is, uh, is as a resource, is, uh, is going away, guys. Really? What so you, call up Anakin. What are you talking about? <laughs> I heard somewhere that like the, the world's sand reserves are not infinite and that... Uh, well, nothing is infinite in the world. Uh, love. Good point. It's the only <laughs> thing where the more you give, the more you get. No kidding. You can't run out of love. So what do we need the sand for? Like sandpaper and sandals? And we use less sand Fucking beanbag chairs and shit, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. The beanbag chair. Bean, the bean, bean bear chairs. <laughs> <laughs> the bean bear chair industry doesn't exist, so they don't have a problem. The bean bears are like <laughs> a series of books for kids trying to get them to eat beans. <laughs> 
It's little bears, we swear. <laughs> Pop them in your mouth. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to eat a tiny bear? Uh, now, Ben Affleck, we learn that one, he has an Airstream trailer full of priceless artwork and comic books and currency. Like dope-ass guns. But every day from 9.45 p.m. to 10 p.m., he sits in a room and sets a flashing light off and listens to some kind of hardcore new metal or something while he hits his and it's roll. it's also like, uh, like some real abrasive industrial stuff. Well, he takes a stick and rolls it along his leg like as Stuart suggested he's making cookies out of his leg mm-hmm. and, or hits his leg with it and remembers the bad times when he was going crazy, his mom left the family, and his dad decided to get a little too tough and took his dad took him and his brother to Jakarta, where mm-hmm. he hired a man to teach them how to be ultimate fighters by beating them up a lot. Yep. And that's the set. That's all the setup we need to know that Ben Affleck is now. Oh, and also while he was in jail for a period, we don't know why yet, and learned for, and learned how to be a black market accountant from. Uh, oh, why is his name escaping me? From Arrested Development and Transparent. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Tambor. Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor, the man who invented the tambourine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he learns how to be an accountant from him. And now he's the world's best criminal accountant. He goes in, and when the books are cooked, he uncooks them, sees what the problem is. Cooks them back up again. Cooks them back up. Delicious mm-hmm. books. Maybe he fries them up. Re- yeah, Maybe he makes a delicious gumbo stew. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of roux out of those books. Gumbo stew is this character I've been workshopping around. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does he sound like, Stu? I guarantee. Uh-huh. Okay, so he sounds a lot like Leatherhead from the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did he know I did the voice for Leatherhead? Uh, you did Leatherhead's voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are people from New Orleans always guaranteeing things? Uh, I don't know. You know, I think there, you know, I believe there was a time where people from New Orleans were kind of considered to be like Super scam artists. Oh, never mind. And so they had to like double guarantee things because people didn't believe them when they said it without a guarantee. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. That okay. I I buy that. You buy that? Mm-hmm. I think I read that. I think I, I got a whole swamp full of gators. I could say crawdads. Yeah. Swap that with crawdads. A lot of priceless crawdads uh, <laughs> made out of diamonds and pearls. Okay. Oh, gonna, you know, I could I could make a lot of money myself, but I'm a busy man, and you know, it used to belong to my mama, and I'm pretty sad now. She's sadly passed, and mom, shut up! I'm almost done. Okay, so uh, you want to buy this thing? Here's the lease off my hands. I know it looks just like a Happy Meal box, but that's actually the least to this swamp full of diamonds. You know, I guarantee it. Because I'm that's sick. That's a good vampire Lestat impression. <laughs> because I'm sick, Elliot's uh, imp- like long rambling impressions are sort of like fever dreams a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Like fever dream, uh, a George R. R. Martin's novel about vampires in New Orleans. Hooray! Oh, <laughs> full circle, just like Michael Palin. Anyway, so let's get back to the movie. So. The, the the feds are after Ben Affleck, but he doesn't know it. Ben Affleck gets hired for a new job. He's going to go to Chicago, and he's going to be hired by John Lithgow, who is the head of a robot company. Called Living Robotics. And, if, and here, I guess they're trying to make some kind of parallel between his kind of mechanical, computerized, computerish way of seeing the world and these robots. They're asking, what is human? But they don't really go very far with that, and John Lithgow might as well have owned a, a licorice company and you're for as gonna, much as it matters. You're not going to tease me with the idea of living robots and then not show me Chi McBride with a stogie in his mouth blasting him with shotguns. <laughs> 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 or is it Chi McBride? Chi? Chi? Chicago McBride. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. So uh, <coughs> he gets hired because 
there's something funny about the books at Living Robotics, founded yeah. by John Lithgow uh, and and Gene Smart and Gene Smart, who is John Lithgow's wife in it, mm-hmm. and some other guy. Now. We are also been introduced in a scene that the movie makers might have thought was tougher and cooler than it was to this mysterious guy played by TV's The Punisher. Yeah, John Barenthal. Sounds like a name. He uh, played a bad guy in Sicario. All right. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's the guy who, who she recognizes because the rubber bands he uses, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he beats up a guy for corporate reasons. He's some kind of mysterious, He's some traveling, sort of sophisticated enforcer Yeah. Who, who, like, yeah, he, like... He has a gun, so it's implied that he kills people. And he he will travel. He just be- beats up the first guy we see. But uh, In Zurich, of all places. Ugh, come on. <laughs> Tell me about it. You can't spell yeah. Zurich without rich. Uh, all right. Zurich is uh, a city. Uh-huh. Tell me more. Um, oh, wow. Tell me more. Tell me more. Switzerland. Is it in Switzerland? Tell, Tell me more. Tell, Tell me more. Is it in the French or German part? Uh, it's it's kind of uh, Italian part. Yeah, what's <laughs> okay. the major industry there, Dan? Um, <laughs> Nazi gold, <laughs> Swedish fish. How would you describe? <laughs> that, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. How would you describe the Zurich theater scene? Thriving, Ex- experimental, traditional, dance based, uh, struggling. I would call it uh, erotic. Oh, hey, okay. Can we see some of the Zurich erotic Swedish fish theater? <laughs> This uh, Mad Libs turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I really started to think that I started a <laughs> joke that I had no business being in. That's sort of a song, right? Um, from what? <laughs> I started, I, it was another time when I started a reference that I didn't really know the reference. Yeah, so what was that song? I started a, a, a joke that left the whole world crying or something oh. like that. I don't know that song. Yeah. So, cut back to Ben Affleck. Who is, that, has, that, is that like a Ray Charles song? Uh, I can look it up, but you're just you're having too much fun pestering me about it. You know it. So let's get back to the movie. Stuart. Ben Affleck has knuckled down and has hit the books, and he has cracked open these 15 years of uh, books. Oh, say with books the help again, of the accountant who originally found the uh, inconsistency in the books, uh-huh. one Anna Kendrick. Oh, great! I like Anna Kendrick. Oh, the Bee Gees sang it. Sorry. Okay. I started a joke. The CBBGs? Yeah. <laughs> cow, ga- cow butt, guy butt. <laughs> cow butt, CBGB, the famous bar, cow butt, guy butt. We got two kinds of butts on offer. Hey, do you have uh, lizard butts in here? Read the awning. Get out of here, you square. So uh, Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick... They crack the code. They in this hilarious montage with a music swell where you're supposed to be like, "Oh, a beautiful mind is as good as a beautiful heart." Uh, where he writes shit all over the windows, and he's realizing <laughs> that there's he's finding patterns in the numbers. He finds an inaccuracy with the numbers, and he's like, "Hey, must be the money." <laughs> <laughs> That's the solution. Oh, I've been waiting to say that all day. <laughs> <laughs> you got up this morning. Yeah, yeah. I was, bed. I was thinking up this morning, and then wanted to say that. I was like, "Isn't it sad that Married with Children didn't last so long that they couldn't do a parody version of Hey, Must Be the Bunday?'" <laughs> it's sad. That's the saddest thing I've heard all day. Yeah. So, really, Dan? Not to date when this show was done, but this news was full of way sadder things that happened. I didn't pay attention. I was. Uh, I was. That's true. You had to work sick today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
we walked in and Dan said he barfed all over the place. And we're I like, okay, barf. let's watch a shitty movie together. <laughs> well, he goes, what the weird is, Dan goes, okay, I threw up today. I'm not feeling very well. So our choices are the accountant or hardcore Harry. <laughs> we're like, wait a minute, Dan. You already threw up once today. Are you going to watch a movie that's essentially a stuntman with a GoPro strapped to his forehead <laughs> yeah. jumping motorcycles at a burning airplane? He's yeah. like, before we watch it, I want you to put me in this office chair and spin me around a bunch. <laughs> Strap me into this thing I just bought. It's what they use at NASA to, to get astronauts used to high Gs. <laughs> Swing me around in it a bunch of times. Look, yeah, I'm, I'm operating under the theory of the father from the accountant where I need to learn how to deal uh, with all these things. Now, the whole time watching the movie, strap me into this old-timey exercise machine that's just a belt that uh. jiggles me. <laughs> My wife just got her picture taken. Here's some, warm, here's some warm milk you can drink. Milk? What's that? <laughs> What's milk? <laughs> that like Melmac, milk. where Alf came from? Milk. Milk. Oh, milk, the drink. <laughs> milk. I was like, what is this, a new thing? Is that something the kids are drinking now? It's, is that something with a Red Bull in it? Yeah, I, yeah. The three burials of Melchiotis Estrada? All right. Mm -hmm. Is that another way to refer to, uh, 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 yeah, all uh, right. Sorry, I'm broke. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of broke, uh -huh. this company's going to go broke if they can't figure out what's going on with the money. <laughs> it turns out somebody was stealing money and then plunging it back into the company and hiding it. Mm -hmm. They've got the suspects down to three. <laughs> You just said suspects. Well, look, I didn't like this movie. They've got they've got the suspects down to one, really, and that's uh -huh. John Lithgow's best friend, who's been with the company fifteen years. Who, in a better world, would have been played by TV's Matt Frewer. But yes. instead they got the second best. <laughs> Some guy. Uh, mm. or Tom Noonan, I could see doing it. Either one of those guys. How come they've never done a show together? Matt Frewer and Tom Noonan? Yeah, I would mm. see that in a heart. That would have been great. Yeah. Neither of them should have to play an alien, though. No. This should be the time where they don't have to be aliens. No, somebody else has to be an alien. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the name of the show. Somebody else is an alien. <laughs> uh, and it turns, but meanwhile, so he's discovered that, and Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick start, you know, Anna Kendrick's interested in A little bit of light about, flirting. A little bit. It's, it's hard for Anna Kendrick to flirt with Ben Affleck because he doesn't understand emotions the same way other people do. Although, for most of the movie, he's like, just a normal dude, slightly nervous, like slightly shy, but yeah. not that weird. I mean, the thing is, he he's just kind of a nerd. Yeah. As, aside from the 15 minutes a day that he spends hitting his leg with a stick while he listens to, to dissonant music, and then the other parts of the day where he reads super fast and puts patterns together, he's just kind of like a quiet nerd. Yeah, like if he snuck onto the set of TV's number one comedy, The Big Bang Theory, right mm -hmm. next to Sheldar and whatever the fuck their and names ben are. And Drake. Yep, they, he, he, <laughs> nobody would have said, would say anything. They'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, another bang for us to bang. <laughs> yep. And that's no theory. Is that how the show goes? I've yeah, only I seen it so. a couple that's times. the whole dialogue. And is... they're like, bazinga. Wow, you got that right on the first try, I think. Mm -hmm, yeah, well, I've told the story about how I was walking down the street and saw a T-shirt in a window of a New York souvenir shop mm -hmm. that had uh, Jim Parsons' face on it, and it just said Bazinga in big letters underneath. And not being familiar with this catchphrase, for some reason, I was enraged by this sight. <laughs> and I and I remember the, the first thought I had was, am I supposed to fucking know what that means? And it made me so mad that this shirt yeah. had a catchphrase I was not familiar with. Uh, You're like can... a sleeper agent who hears the word Croatoa <laughs> in the Hunger Bullets comic <laughs> and start murdering everybody. Yeah, just like the Charles, Charles Bronson movie Telephone. I've had a vision that was of... my activation signal. I've had a vision of you aging now with, like, but every year just go, goes by, there's going to be fewer and fewer things that you understand. Already, yeah. Yeah, and... 
if you're going to get enraged by every one of them. I was sitting that's on the couch. Not, that's, I can see that's the future for me, definitely, for sure. I was sitting on the couch today trying to build this piece of furniture my wife bought. Workshop. And uh, no, I only do that in workshops that are specified. <laughs> I was building this piece of what furniture. What if someone had a home build a bear workshop in their garage? So lavish. <laughs> this is Every this child is, dreams of such a thing. Of course, this is my husband's workshop where he builds a bear. <laughs> so I was building this thing and... Uh, you know, they were showing some, you know, various politicians talking about stuff. And the whole time I just kept swearing at the TV. I'm <laughs> like, Charlene, uh, this is a glimpse into the future of me getting older and just continuing to swear at uh, politicians on television. Oh, I warn my wife probably. Sorry, my watch at the table. Uh, that's what the I warn my wife probably once a week. Hey. I apologize. Hey, when I'm an old age. when I'm You're an like, old man, I'm not getting any taller, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is as much hair as I'm gonna get. I say, uh, hey, I'm sorry, but when I'm an old man, I'm going to be a handful. I'm gonna be very angry all the time, constantly complaining, loud in public places, and you know what? I'm just going to fall asleep wherever I want. So I already got that last one going on for me. At a restaurant, <laughs> yeah. behind the wheel, of, like flying a plane. Maybe I'm like. I'm just piloting an aircraft carrier. I'm just going to fall just asleep. Just taking bets, Elliot. What do you think uh, the over-under is of Dan uh, passing away in a public space and people thinking he's asleep? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are we talking, park bench at a farmer's market? or <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Probably something like that, yeah, yeah. But it'll be peaceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, like a booth at a friendlies with a half-eaten Sunday. Here's... <laughs> Yeah, because I eat a lot of Sundays. <laughs> you don't yeah, know what dude, your life that's what is I'm known like. for. I, when I walked in today, you said, "Hey, must be the Sunday," <laughs> and then you put ice cream in front of also, me. Also, Dan, you got a lot of life to live. How do you know you won't get a sweet tooth for Sundays at some point? I got a lot of living to do. You know what's weird is how angry I get at that one commercial with an with uh, I think it's for life insurance or some shit. Yeah, but there's this lady on there, and she's like. I'm only 60 years old. I got a life to live. Big plans. And I'm like, lady, come on. Stop showing off in front of me. <laughs> Have you seen this fucking ad? Like, for some reason, her her tone is like, get the fuck out of here. Stop bragging about your plans. <laughs> She's just like the Cylons. She's Big got a plans. plan. Uh, okay. No, that's a great Battlestar Galactica reference. Thanks, yeah. The accountant. So, anyway, he gets hired by this job, and this mysterious other guy... Uh, goes and tell in the middle of the night he visits John Lithgow's best friend, the CFO of the company, and he says, "Hey, look, here's the deal. You're either gonna deliberately overdose on insulin, or I'm gonna have to kill you and your wife and destroy your house, maybe the rest of your family. So go ahead and do it." And it's at this point that we're like, "Movie, when are you just gonna reveal that this guy is Ben Affleck's brother? When are you gonna reveal it? Because we know it's his brother. There's no other character this guy could be, and you've given us no reason to give a shit about him unless he turns out to be someone important. And there's no reason to put a younger brother in every single scene of uh, young Ben Affleck. Also, why'd you hire Casey Affleck if you didn't want us to know ahead of time it's his brother? Wouldn't it have been great? Just kidding. It's not Casey Affleck. But yeah, it's like... We know you made a big point of how he has a younger brother in the flashback. Casey Affleck was probably too busy doing all kinds of shady shit with Joaquin Phoenix, right? Probably. That's all they. Oh, do. I thought you were going to say shady shit with women. I mean, that was implied by what I just said, oh, okay. Dan. That's why you, I winked at you a shitload. <laughs> what kind I of shady were, shit do you think Joaquin Phoenix is up to? Robbing the Bank of England? Come on. <laughs> I thought you were making some <laughs> yeah. sort of reference to the 
the performing intellectual property theft. Did. That's when the that's when his alleged woman attack happened. Really? When they're making mm-hmm. that documentary. Oh, well. Sounds like someone is not up on his Hollywood crimes. He needs to watch Elliot Kalin's Hollywood Crimes on E. Yeah, he dresses kind of like McGruff the Crime Dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say, hey, take a bite out of fame. Here's the thing with McGruff the Crime Dog, everybody. Yep. Here's something I've been wondering for years. Sure. So McGruff was for kids, right? There's no reason to tell adults <laughs> with an animated dog about crime. And he would say, and McGruff would be like, hey, kids, take a bite out of crime. And even as a kid, I was like, how do I actualize that? <laughs> Am I supposed to be patrolling the streets? <laughs> Is it up to me? Should I apply to the police you academy should, right now to their junior division? Like, well, I'm, you should orphan yourself and then uh, train for years and be a oh, billionaire. Go to the go to the far Tibet and become a ninja. Yeah, mm-hmm. come back, build a crime computer. Well, McGruff, I fashioned a shiv out of this bar of soap. Yeah. Hope I don't have to fight, what, Hydro Hound or whoever Darkwing Duck fights that turns into water. <laughs> <laughs> What's that electricity guy? The one that's the mouse? Megavolt? Was I don't know. It? He's awesome, though. But uh, Basically, the entire Darkwing Duck rogues gallery is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> uh, but it just, it always baffled me how I was, as a kid, I was supposed to be taking a bite out of crime. Because I'll tell you what I was taking a bite out of, Cheerios. Yeah. That was about all Wait, I could t- regular Cheerios? Yeah, I don't like the honey that nut kind. That shit's so, that makes one's breath smell the worst out of any food that exists. Have, you, um, have your pee wh- ever smelled like Cheerios? What? Yeah, I feel when like I have a Cheerio been, shake. There have been a couple times when I've peed, and I'm just like, this smells exactly like Cheerios. Were you eating Is Cheerios? that why you were down on your knees smelling the toilet before? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I don't. Not that I know. I mean, I feel like... Listeners, right in. Wait, why? are you talking about like... <laughs> Tell us what your pee smells Wait, like. Send your, <laughs> set, address your letters... Cheerio pee smell. Dan McCoy, care of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. <laughs> 604 West 52nd Street. Okay. So are you are you saying that like your your pee smells the same as Cheerios fresh out of the box or after somebody's been like chomping on them for a little bit? Uh no, just like some Cheerios and milk. Oh, man, that shit's so gross smelling. I used to I sat next to somebody in uh, in well, you high did? school. Yeah. When? In high school. Okay. Uh, they didn't give me that much of like I was a little bit of a pig pen, so <laughs> there's a couple seats usually buffer <laughs> to make room for your dust and dirt cloud. Yeah, uh, as I was sketching role playing notes furiously in my uh, notepad, but there was a girl who was sitting next to me who kept eating Cheerios, dry Cheerios, and it was the worst smelling thing in the world. And I'm a pig pen. I think we found the source of your. Cheerios, uh, my secret oh, what a crush on the Cheerio girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when she said no, she exhaled and all that Cheerio smell came out. So now Cheerios mm-hmm. smell like rejection to you. That's actually not that far off. <laughs> so, so anyway, Ben Affleck. Yeah. In the movie, we so he's doing this job. The the John Lithgow he gets a rejection John in Lith- the form of assassins. But well, John Lithgow's friend gets killed, and and he says. My friend took his life because of something you uncovered. I don't need to know anymore. Just go. Just go. Just leave. But that's not the end of mm-hmm. it because then assassins show up. And these assassins, one of them is a huge bald guy with the craziest beard mustache combo. He looks like that guy from Street Fighter Four who uh, pours oil on himself and wrestles people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you were an assassin and assassins in real life are dumb. They're usually very dumb. They're not 
Carlos the Jackal, like in the Day of the Jackal. Yeah, you like did that. a PowerPoint about this. I did a PowerPoint about this at a live show. Assassin, hitmen and assassins are mostly pathetic losers. Uh, and I'll and maybe at some point I'll go again into my story about the hitman that was involved in my family once, that who was a loser. But anyway, but this guy, if you want to be a hitman, you think you'd want to be able to like escape into a crowd? This is maybe the yeah, most. Yeah, you want to be like a Tobey Maguire type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the most easily identifiable person in the world. I think the only way he could be a less like professional hitman is if he literally had bullseyes, bullseye tattooed on his forehead, like in the Daredevil movie. <laughs> yeah. But then if he had that tattoo, Dan, he'd have to kill somebody with what, like a corn nut? What do you? Yeah, do? he has like a peanut or a corn nut that he tosses in their throat and chokes them, which any of us. And could if do. he used a peanut, why aren't you getting the branding money from using a corn nut? Now, in the they got Dare- a ton of cash in the Daredevil movie because I don't remember the movie as well as I remember reading the screenplay before the movie came out. Is there was a scene? Did you read it on Ain't It Cool News? Uh, I was working at the New Jersey Television and Film Commission. Uh-huh. We had a lot of screenplays in the library, and uh, was there a scene? There was a scene in the screenplay where he's at a horse race, and he breaks the stem off a champagne glass, and then hurls it through the air, and it sticks in the neck of one of the jockeys and kills him, so that Bullseye's horse wins the race. Was that in the movie? Because it's one of those things where it's like you'd think someone would have investigated where that champagne glass stem would have come from to kill that jockey. Like it's not like he could just go up and to his all winnings, winnings window. Would be, yeah, all his winnings would be invalid. Did you <laughs> do you remember the Daredevil movie, Dan? No, I don't remember. I never that. actually saw it. Okay, well, Ben Affleck was listening to this because he Googled the account <clears throat> is going to be very disappointed. Yeah, Ben Affleck, write in, tell yeah, us what actually happened. He's loved us up until this point. He's Oh, he thought it was a hilarious show. Yeah. He's like, they're really getting all those goofs. Luckily they'll never touch me, keep the F- me, the Flexter. Keep calling me the Beantown yeah. Bat Boy. <laughs> That's me, the Beantown Bat Boy. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, oh yes, these assassins. He, he thought it was hilarious when we were talking about his brother Casey. That was his favorite part. Yeah. Hey, Casey at the Bat. What? And the Batman is Affleck. Yeah. So it's a, it. it's about Casey Affleck at a Batman movie, and he's like, "Hey, that's my brother." Wow, okay. guys, we're doing a real tour of our best of reel here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there are these assassins hit. Meanwhile, a th- there's a subplot the movie keeps forgetting, which is uh-huh. Medina trying to track down who this accountant character is. Yep. She manages to track him and finds out that he- she finds she has been shown a bunch of pictures of the back of his head. So she takes a screen capture. And she sends it to her tech buddy and is like, at home security, need, I think. She's like, I need face capture or whatever now. And they never say to her, oh, there's no face in this picture. They say, yeah, we should be able to reconstruct his face from the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can do that. It's like an enemy of the state when Will Smith is on camera holding a gift bag and they go, hold on, rotate the bag. And the video image of the bag turns around so they can see what's in the other side. And it's like, wait a minute. Cameras can't do that. <laughs> Welcome to 1984, dude. Oh, man, I didn't even realize. So she realized, her friends find some video that was captured of this same person, Ben Affleck, killing a bunch of people in a hit on some mobsters because he's a super assassin. Oh, but I forgot one thing. We forgot to mention that he keeps changing his name as he moves around uses different aliases. Yep. And they're all, except for Christian Wolf, I guess, they're all the names of famous mathematicians. So he's mm-hmm. known as Lou Carroll and... Uh, what was the other one? It was with Charles Ga- Gauss. Carl Gauss. Carl Gauss. And it takes her forever to she piece it together. She looks up Lou Carroll 
And she's like, hmm, maybe not that. Let's look up Lewis Carroll. And it's like, do you mean Lewis Carroll? Like, she's like, okay. And then she's like, wait, he wrote Alice in Wonderland. Let's click on that. What's Alice in Wonderland? This seems like a charming and endearing work of logic and illogic. I'll read it right now. As much as I love... So Alice had been lying on the grass bored. Her sister was reading a book with no pictures or conversations, and she figured what was the point of a book without pictures or conversations. So it's no wonder that when a white rabbit ran by, she didn't see anything anything strange about it. Even when the white rabbit took out his pocket watch and was wearing a vest... Didn't seem to have anything weird about it then. So I'll I'll read this on my off hours, I suppose. (laughs) Even though this is technically work research. This is very, very close to the beginning of Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) I've read it many times. The... I it was mean, pretty far off. You guys, right. you guys know me. If there's one thing I love about a movie, it's when the movie is like, hey, you're an idiot. <laughs> Let me hold movie. your hand through all this shit. This movie thinks the audience is so stupid, starting with number one stupid, which is the concept of, hey, you know how some people who are autistic or on that spectrum are very good with numbers? What if it made them super assassin, super computer fighter men? Also, hey, here's another stupid thing. We're going to introduce a younger brother and then have this other guy in the movie, but we don't expect you to put two and two together. This guy's the brother. Hey, number three, have you ever heard of Lewis Carroll? Don't worry if you haven't. We're going to give you all the, we're going to give you the spark notes on this guy just in case you need yeah. it. It's like, uh, they re- and she looks this up again later in the movie too when she realizes that this guy, might, there's a voice recording of him uh, because he killed a mobster who was wearing a wire and the voice recording reveals, I guess, some... A spectrum behavior. So she looks up again to see if Lewis Carroll had Asperger's. The website she finds diagnoses him with this, which is highly unethical to diagnose someone who was not officially observed and has been dead well, for all quite the, some time. All the paintings of him, he's not making eye contact. Yeah, there is <laughs> every photograph, his eyes are turned away, so he must have it. Uh, anyway, long story short, these assassins are are trying to track down Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick. And he's got he saves her life from some fake delivery men who turn out to be real unlivery men, as in they want her to be unalive and not living anymore. They're killers, but he kills them first. Ben Affleck is very uh, he's particular to headshots in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a John Wick type thing. He's always shooting people in the head, and I have to admit, the gun effects and everything are fine. They're well done. <laughs> Whoever's squibbing people, the good work. Top well, the, squibs, the, yeah. The, like, the action scenes are, I guess, I want to say a little understated. Like, they are not super flashy. That's and, true. Uh, I give that both a thumbs up and a thumbs down. A thumbs down because they're not very exciting to watch. Thumbs up because uh, violence isn't a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, not every action scene in a movie has to be Raid the Redemption or, <laughs> oh, but know. if it were, <laughs> mamma mia. Or like Triple X, like I'm glad that Ben Affleck at no point, even though it's hard for me to believe that he's a super fighter, at least he's not like riding a motorcycle through a window or something like that or jumping out of a helicopter at any point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he picks up Anna Kendrick, takes her to a fancy hotel that has nice towels, he mentions, mm-hmm. uh, and they start getting a little bit closer and they tell stories about their past. Uh but not she sees his uh, Airstream trailer full of uh, priceless art. An original and Jackson Pollock. Mm-hmm. Not, and, uh, not Kevin an Pollock. original Jackson Pollock. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it's an original drawing of Dr. Monarch by Jackson Pollock. <laughs> uh, I mean, that'd be worth a lot. I'd buy it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'd buy that for a dollar. He's also... <laughs> <laughs> if somebody's selling it for a dollar, then yeah, you should buy it. Yeah, it's a total steal. Uh, and she also sees his collection of guns. Uh, she's 
you know, I think it says a lot about her character that after she sees him uh, kill a guy and shoot him in the head afterwards, instead of being terrified by him, you know, she's a little, she's drawn to him. You know, it's like Lorraine Brackow in uh, Goodfellas. I gotta admit, I was a little turned on. And Lorraine Bracco in Sopranos, right? Yeah. (laughs) What's your deal, Lorraine Bracco? 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 (laughs) It's me, Lorraine Bracco. You know, when I was filming The Sopranos, I found that we were at glamorizing monsters, even though that's what it seemed like we were at times. <laughs> we were showing the darker side of things Americans take for granted. Something people don't take for granted enough, Dune by Frank Herbert. <laughs> Perhaps the greatest science fiction epic ever written. The story of young <laughs> Paul Atreides as he attempts to become the Kosatz Hadrach on oh, the wow. spice planet of Arrakis is truly one for the ages. This is Tom Brokaw signing off. I'm loving it. It was weird that <laughs> it was weird that for like the decades that he uh, did that show, he signed every show off with a description of the the book Dune. Yeah, mm-hmm. he loved it. It was strange. Yeah, right. It was a that's the news for today. And remember, mm. Pierre is the mind killer. I'm <laughs> yeah. Tom Brokaw, and then you just leave. Every and remember, my w- name has become a killing word. <laughs> I occasionally, while I'm reporting stories, have images of a jihad sweeping the universe, my own name being screamed as a battle cry, my banners flying through unspeakable carnage. <laughs> Here is the little death within us all. I'm Tom Brokaw. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, they're on the run together, and this is kind of when Anna Kendrick leaves the movie for the most part, yeah. and we get back into- <laughs> We get a scene where uh, Ben Affleck leaves her asleep on a couch in a hotel room, and he's slowly closing the door- and it's, like watching her, and I'm so assuming he's gonna pinch his own eyeball with well, the. Well, because he's doing it slow, like he's doing it so slowly. He's doing it like four times slower than the end of The Godfather. Mm. <laughs> and she really wanted to see what was going on there. Yeah. Oh boy. That's what the director said. He's like, he's like, uh, Ben, I want you to close it slowly. Give me uh, four times GF. That's yeah. and that's directing code for how fast or slow you yeah, close that's the door. Yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Meanwhile, he goes to he goes to talk to John Lithgow's wife. She's been murdered. She's got a, the round hole in the middle of her forehead that denotes a Gene killing Smart, headshot. Yeah. yeah, Gene Smart ain't smart no more because her <laughs> brain's been destroyed by a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about if she actually got shot in real life. How what a horrible obituary <laughs> oh, that would terrible. be. Oh, terrible! Nobody that is would saying be terrible. Uh, some mob boss must have asked said to get smart because smart got got. <laughs> Talented actress Gene Smart was found dead today of a single shot to the head. Ben Affleck was on the scene. <laughs> yep, they say, star of many programs on FX, died of something that was no special FX, actual bullets. <laughs> uh, characters may be welcome at USA, but bullets were welcome in the brain of one unlucky actress. Former designing women did not see the design for her own life as she... <laughs> It was brutally gunned down. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, terrible. Anyway, so meanwhile, the, the movie's like, hey, are you tired of Ben Affleck? I think you are. So let's check in on J.K. Simmons, the head of the Treasury, and Medina. 
and see what's going on with them. And they go down to the house where they uh, they they They've track tracked down Christian Wolf. They track down to Christian Wolf's house. They've realized that he they found his network been of money laundering, m- laundering money through a shitload of businesses that are all in a little strip mall. And then he gives the money to charity of some kind. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, J.K. Simmons proceeds to tell a tale about how. Okay, strap in because this is yeah, like this is a, a series really of like long... twenty flashbacks in a row. It's like the movie was like, well, if you can't think of a graceful way to to give out exposition, then make the audience really slog through it. So let's start swimming through molasses on this. Like, one. if you're gonna get like, I mean, I'll hand it to the movie. If you're gonna have somebody deliver it, like J.K. Simmons, not a bad idea. Oh no, that's true. So he talks about how uh, Jeffrey Tambor was in jail because he had was for his protection because he had testified against a mob boss. And while in jail, Jeffrey Tambor got to know Ben Affleck. When Jeffrey, but J.K. Simmons, when he was a young Treasury agent didn't listen to Jeffrey Tambor's scoop, and Tambor was tortured and killed. So when Ben Affleck got out of jail for an, a crime we don't know what, what it was yet, he tracked down the mobster who did it and killed him. J.K. Simmons was on the scene at the time, failed to stop it, and was crying and very upset, and Ben Affleck <clears throat> almost killed him before asking him, are you a good dad? And he goes, yes, I've done everything. I'm a weak man and a bad agent, but I am a good dad. I didn't screw that up. Ben Affleck leaves him alive. Over the years, Ben Affleck starts becomes this mysterious voice of information for this agent Simmons, giving him tips on crimes that are being committed that he's learned through his own nefarious activities. These tips make him a star agent, and he becomes the director of the Bureau. Bum, bum, bum. It turns out that much like in the Unknown Soldier miniseries from Vertigo that Garth Ennis wrote in the 90s, this whole thing has been a test for Medina to see if she can become the new agent who's in touch with Ben Affleck's character and get the scoops and the leads to stop these criminals. And she's like, he's a murderer. And he's like, yeah, well, but he does. He's helped us with all this other stuff. It's exhausting. Meanwhile, but then he also explains why was Ben Affleck in jail? Okay, thank you. Yes, because here's a second when you're just when you're done with that set of flashbacks. Oh, really? The next set of flashbacks? They seem to be about an hour early, but okay, bring them in, I suppose. So Medina's like, but wait, uh, soldier number one or whatever the well, fuck they called him? why was Ben him? Affleck in jail? Because Ben Affleck and his dad, the colonel, the uh-huh. military man who taught him how to be a super tough fighter in Jakarta, it seems the two of them, and Ben Affleck was in a uniform and was just referred to as soldier number one, they went to Ben Affleck's mom's funeral. The mom had since remarried and had two younger kids. Uh-huh. How dare she? Excuse me, yeah. And... A How t- dare she leave the man who makes his two children fight a grown man to get tougher? <laughs> uh, they The tussle started out of an argument, and Ben Affleck's dad was killed by cops approaching the scene or something, and Ben Affleck ended up in jail in a very weird jail where they don't have bars on the cells. They're just kind of... They're just kind of sell cubicles. Cubicles, I guess in Orange is the New Black, they're like that, too. I'll also say that nothing up until this point leads me to believe that Ben Affleck would lose a fight against a bunch of guys at a funeral. (laughs) I mean, there were a lot of them. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Since up to this point, he's been able to kill 10 to 12 people at a time. Now, here's something I didn't understand. With nary a scratch, yes. Ben Affleck is a soldier, and he was in jail like, shouldn't there be tons of records about this guy? I like, don't think he was. I think the implication was that he was not really a soldier. That okay. he, he showed up in a false uniform as part of his dad's entourage, I guess. I don't really know. I don't okay. remember that stuff. But even if there were tons of records, 
there's what are they gonna they would they would have no reason for matching these pictures at the back of a evil accountant's head with all, all right. known photographs of soldiers, you know. Soldier number sure. one, yeah. He and was his the dad's this like traveling big boss. Well, but apparently J.K. Simmons. Yeah. But apparently J.K. Simmons like knows all this shit about who he's been looking for this whole time. So. Yeah, because it was all a test for Medina. If she could figure it out, I mean, he's not actually enough. looking for him. He's uh, just trying to. Yeah, he's, not he's just trying to give her a sense of scale. Yes. Of what they're involved with. Yes, and see if she is worthy enough. Uh huh. If she can connect the dotes. Mm. Because Mersey dotes. Uh-huh. Dozy dotes. What do little lambs eat, though? Uh, I don't like. I don't know. Uh, copies of Poison Ivy: The New Seduction. <laughs> yeah. The movie. Why don't we shorten that down, though? The movie that introduced Jamie Presley's butt to the world. Uh, oh yeah, world just Ivy. I guess we could. Yeah, we just, just say Ivy. Because you say down, Ivy, yeah. people know you mean Poison, Poison Ivy: The New Seduction. Two, the it's new like seduction. the three. Poison Ivy three: The New Seduction. Okay, which one's Poison Ivy two? Poison Ivy two is the one with Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's called what? The Awakening or something like that. I don't know. That sounds and right. The first one, of course, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who drew Barrymore? Three, three <laughs> Ivies. What artist? <laughs> three Ivies and a fountain. When now? When are they going to do that Poison Ivy on stage reunion that we've all been clamoring for? <laughs> what you know? What do you mean, like uh, the Paley Center or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The yeah, the, <laughs> the Museum of TV and Radio, and they're like, these are films. I don't know why we're doing it here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It all leads up to Boys a big... Poison Ivy, a life in three acts. Yeah. Uh, it all leads up to a big shoot 'em up Ben Affleck finally puts two and two together because nobody else works at this robot company who's alive than John Lithgow, that John Lithgow must be behind it. Much like Crazy Eddie, in an anecdote he tells, he has been stealing from his own company in order to bring it back to make the profits look big to inflate the stock price when it goes public. Mm-hmm. Everything is about when companies go public. That's what I've learned from movie thrillers. And so he goes to John Lithgow's house where he's being defended by an army of mercs, mm-hmm. including this mysterious Punisher guy. Yep. Uh, who we all know by now, even though the movie hasn't yet told us. Who is, is ben deliver- who's serving up sass in spades? Oh, David Spades. <laughs> wow. Hot, steaming David Spades of sass, because no one's sassier than David Spade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. There's a big shootout Making action fight. Copy. No, <laughs> no, right? no, that's a different guy. Try again. What was his catchphrase? Uh, opera man. No, no, different performer. What was David Spade's catchphrase? Joe Dirt. Okay, that was a movie he was in. <laughs> not really a catchphrase, but I'll, I'll allow that's it. That's not his catchphrase? No, it's he's getting not late. like riding a dirt bike? No, no. And he's like, I'm riding a me bike. <laughs> nope. Uh so he gets into a fight. He kills a lot of guys. Uh-huh. He gets into a fight with his brother, and it's, we learn it's his brother because their dad trained them so well. All, they had to take these skills of fighting. Sure. John Lithgow walks out after watching all this on a, monitors in his safe room office, his home office, and is like, you moron. Like this, was, I was going to be able to do so much with those billion dollars. That, and uh, then Affleck responds somewhat wittily by shooting him in the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is the most hilariously dismissive dispatching Not of a major Indiana villain. Indiana Jones shot that swordsman in the market. It's like, yeah. imagine that swordsman shows up and instead delivers a speech about uh, how he is uh, providing more to the human race than the people he is killing. And then he gets shot in the head. Yeah. Uh, ben Affleck leaves and packs up his life. He sends... Uh, packs an- up his troubles in his old kit bag. Yeah. Anna Kendrick, he get, he sends her the original Jackson Pollock he had, cleverly disguised as a dog's playing poker painting, mm-hmm. which is from a reference to something earlier in the movie. Uh, and 
what else? And at this we, point, we're like, movie. fuck, at least the movie's done. But then it no keeps dice. going. We learn that, you remember that place that he was taken to as a kid that they, his dad refused to let him into, where maybe he would have had a better upbringing for his difficulties. That is now an enormous Mohonk mountain house style mansion that is full of kids. And parent and the guy who runs it, you can tell if time has passed because he has a beard now. Mm-hmm. And the, the these parents are talking about their kids, da-da-da, and their kid wanders into a bedroom where there's a grown woman who's having issues. Turns out she's the daughter of the guy who who runs the place. He's like, that's why I started the, this program. And she's the same, uh, she was a young girl at the beginning of the movie. Who gave Ben Affleck the missing puzzle piece. And mm-hmm. we find out that using a text-to-speech program on her computer, she's the character who works for Ben Affleck and she's arranges the, his stuff and takes care of him. She's the world's greatest hacker, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, and she has calm some, he has down. Some I know you assume the world's greatest hacker is played by Neil Breen. In this case, this movie postulates that that is not the case. Now, I thought the world's greatest hacker was Hugh Jackman drinking wine and spinning around in a chair and going, uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and then t- tapping a bunch of keys and... Getting into I don't know. You're talking about uh, AKA Swordfish. Yeah, you look, know it. Look this clip up on YouTube if you're not familiar oh, with it. Look, up, if you haven't seen this scene, look up Hugh Jackman Swordfish hacking scene. It is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is the second funniest hacking related scene in recorded media history. Is it the first, after the course, CSI one? After it's, I think it's NCIS. NCIS, or maybe it is no, CSI. It is, no, no, it, it is, is CSI. NCIS. Is it after the NCIS scene where? This woman can't keep can't keep up with the hacker who's getting into their system. So someone else says, "Here, let me help." And they're both typing on the same keyboard as if that would make the computer move faster. And then the other guy, the the head of the NCIS walks in and he solves the problem by unplugging their computer. It's amazing. It is, which I guess keeps their their cloud accounts from getting activated. Yeah, like, it chops the ha- hacker's wiener in half. <laughs> what what they don't say in that clip is that all the internet is run from that one office. Oh, so I unplugging see. it. Mm-hmm. That's the home office. Yeah. Somewhere the lawnmower man is making that crazy angry face he makes at the end of the movie. So now's the time where we do our final judgments. Uh, 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 and Ben Affleck drives off into the distance. Okay. And now's the time. Yep. Final we do our judgments. final judgments on this movie, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Stuart, what do you have to say? Uh, I am going to say this is a bad, bad movie. Um, I guess if you really like what, like, this is a movie that is, so, it feels like such a bundle of cliches. This is a movie that is directed by the guy who directed a movie that I really like a lot, uh, Warrior. Which is a good movie. Which is also a movie about brothers who have a difficult father and brothers that come, you know. And become great fighters. But the this movie is such a weird story and it has such a weird approach toward using violence and like the idea of like a bullshit vigilante justice idea, like it's so much trash. Tag me in, tag me in. Yeah, Elliot, get in there. Okay, because I just want to say before I forget, so I'm going to give this bad, bad too. This movie takes itself so seriously. It's that fucking montage where he's doing math and you're like, what do you think you're doing, movie? This is an action movie. And at the end, it's set to this mon- this song as everything, the ends are time that's like so, so serious. And yeah. it's like, did you think you were making like, Kramer versus Kramer? Because even that had jokes in it. Like, even that said, like, are you making Schindler's List? Is that why you're taking this autistic hitman movie so seriously? And, like, Ben Affleck's perform. like, you pointed <coughs> this out, Elliot. What, how did you describe, what did you describe Ben Affleck as? Uh, this is a little derogatory if it is, I think, what you, it's, I described it as a very, a man who's clearly very smart, who seems incapable of portraying intelligence on screen. 
Like There's, he always seems like kind of a kind of a lug on screen, even though in, in person I know he's an intelligent person. Yeah, he's clear. He's got to be a smart guy. Yeah, but for whatever reason, like for instance, in this movie, there are his like. <laughs> His ability to interact with humans fluctuates so much where there's some scenes where he's like, why are you doing that? I'm Ben Affleck. Um, what is love? I'm a robot. Yeah. And then there's other scenes where he's just like, I'm just old me, Ben from the block. And yeah. there's, a, there's, he has this, he has a, the feeling of a movie where, well, it, you know what? This is the worst way to put it, I guess. But in this movie, he has, <laughs> he's doing his, Please he's put doing it the fun, worst way. Is, have you ever seen a porn video? Sure. Uh, yeah. A jacked, uh, yeah. So a jacked up porn star puts on glasses and a suit and he's supposed to be like an accountant. Yep. Or like somebody who were or like a a mild mannered teacher or something. That's kind of what it feels like at times. It has that feeling of like a football player who puts glasses on to look a little smarter. You there was a point where we were introduced to like an older, heavy set, balding man. Yeah. Nerd accountant. He looked like a real like an accountant. And there was a point where we're like wouldn't it be way better if that guy was the accountant? Yeah. It's either that or make Jason Statham the accountant because that'd be hilarious. Well, if this was a crazy movie, that would be a different story. But it's a movie that takes itself very seriously. Like if it's fucking Scott Adkins and he puts on those glasses and then just beats the shit out of the whole world. <laughs> yeah, I, this is a bad, bad movie. I, I want to say uh, for this podcast that I apologize if we have said anything ignorant or insensitive about autism accidentally, but this movie I believe is ignorant and insensitive about autism. Oh, I think uh, it certainly is. And the, the way it treats it as this, as we say, this superpower, uh, it's, it's, it's a MacGuffin. It's I mean, like, to say oh, that is not to say is not to imply on our part that people who are on that spectrum don't have, talents and skills that it, like they're human beings. No, so of, course of course they have talents and skills. No, but, but the they're idea using that, like, it as a plot device. Is much as the same way that a beautiful mind I found offensive because it implied that genius and schizophrenia are tied together. And that, or, and if the same way, like <coughs> anytime you see anything where someone is depressed or unhappy and they cheer up and they lose their creativity or something like that, the idea that you can't, you can't, be a certain level of intelligence unless you're unless you are separated from the world or unable to operate as a normal human being is seems insulting both to people who have trouble operating in the world and also people who are intelligent and do not have that trouble it's 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 positing kind of like uh here's here's the intended audience for this movie it's people who can't put two and two together that lewis carroll wrote alice in wonderland and are like well if this guy can do all that stuff in numbers I can't do that, but at least I can go through my life talking to people and I have a relationship because if you're that smart, you must be able, you must be kind of fucked up when you're dealing with other people, and that makes me feel fine. You know? Oh, interesting. I might be extrapolating too much. I might be getting too angry about it. You know, the I think the biggest thing is just the idea of, like, having this character be this, like, arbitrator of all justice and, like, yeah. just murdering people. Like, this this guy's a fucking stain on the world. <laughs> Because of what he does, not because of who he is. Oh, of course not. No, That's but because crazy. of his actions. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks' wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. 
Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Bites. What the f*** is an interview? I mean, I do not know. That was Oscar-winning filmmaker Errol Morris. I'm Jesse Thorne, host of NPR's Bullseye. Allow me to introduce The Turnaround, a new podcast series produced by MaximumFun.org and presented with the Columbia Journalism Review. Join me as I sit down with some of our greatest living interviewers to ask them about interviewing and why and how they do what they do. We'll go deep with some of the biggest names in media, people like Larry King, Katie Couric, Audie Cornish, We'll be among friends on The Turnaround. Two episodes a week, all summer. Subscribe now and tell somebody. We have some sponsors that we should get to. <laughs> all right. Are they going to be mad that we called Ben Affleck a stain it's on the world? Living Robotics. Of... Yeah, it's Wahlburgers. Uh, oh, no. Living Robotics. Our first sponsor is the Black Tux. Oh, great. When your big day or special event rolls around this spring, look just as great as you feel in suits from the theblacktux.com. With modern rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your door, the Black Tux is your new way to rent. The Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist-selected outfits. Stand out at your event for the right reasons with the Black Tux. (laughs) For the right reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Not because, for instance, you're paying in the punch bowl. Yep. That would be the that wrong would be reason. One of the wrong reasons to stand now, out at your event. Now guys, you know that I am a diehard wearer of tuxpedos to formal sure. occasions, mm-hmm. formal. Yep, yep, your graduation, um, the Nobel graduation. ceremony. But sometimes you have to go to a formal occasion in a place where the temperature doesn't agree with just a simple tuxpedo. So you can always put one of these beautiful yeah. black tux tuxedos on over the tuxpedo. Yeah, did you know that they made tuxpedos for your whole body now? Mm-hmm. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And you get them at the Black Tux. To get free shipping plus $20 off your purchase, visit the blacktux.com slash flop. You did a pretty good job. Yeah, it's just the one slip up. Yeah. Not yeah, bad. no, that was not bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a minus. Okay. I mean, Cinema Score would have given an A plus 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 plus. <laughs> Richard Roper raves. Dan only had one screw up. <laughs> best ad read ever. <laughs> Loving it. Ba da ba ba ba. Uh, (laughs) so our second sponsor for the evening is blue apron uh blue apron uh for less than ten dollars per person per build it blutiful (laughs) no (laughs) build it bluto (laughs) yep i mean bluto doesn't build he just tears down (laughs) yeah he's a cancer uh for less than 10 i thought he was a capricorn (laughs) oh no kidding So, Dan, what's Blue Apron? For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. They uh, have fresh, high-quality ingredients uh, that uh, make a real difference when you're cooking because it's important to know where your food's coming from, man. Mm-hmm. We've true. talked about Yummy Mummy before, and you don't have to worry about that shit no. if you have delicious Blue Apron coming your way. Your tummy's going to feel great. You don't have to measure the ingredients, which, as I've said, <laughs> is the thing about cooking I hate the second most. 
The first is being patient when things are cooking. I don't like that. Uh-huh. But measuring stuff. You just crouch like, down. I want it in my tummy right now. Yeah, exactly. You crouch like, down, mom, or in mom, this mom. case, you climb up on the stool and look into the <laughs> oven while it cooks. Uh, so it's like the fact that everything is measured out already. Great. You can just toss that stuff in. You don't have to spend your time wondering what a pinch of something is. Uh-huh. If you've uh, you th- as soon it. as you got Blue Apron, you told me you took all your spoons and measuring devices oh, and boy. your spoons. <laughs> yeah, I melted them into a big lump of plastic and metal, and then you know what I did? You made your son sit upon it and say that he's the king mm-hmm. of all the I lands? Said, this is the measuring throne. <laughs> uh, here's my favorite part of uh, all these Blue Apron ads. I get to uh, read a couple of upcoming meals. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and this is going to be delicious. Dan's going to start slobbering. They got... Elote-style vegetable tostadas with summer squash, poblano peppers, and cilantro rice. Sounds delicious. And uh, peach honey-glazed chicken with mashed, mashed sweet potatoes, They could be matched sweet potatoes. Perfectly matched. Blue Apron perfectly matches your sweet potatoes every time. <laughs> They've got a matching of t- sweet potato program. <laughs> yeah. If you donate 10 sweet potatoes, then uh, the corporation donates 10 sweet potatoes. Tired of mismatched sweet potatoes? Well, no more. All right. Yeah. What's the, so Matt? It's like, like a pension program, the matching yeah. sweet potatoes program. <laughs> That's right. For uh, for how many sweet potatoes you put in, they'll uh, they'll match it. No, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I'll, uh, you're committed to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take all the sweet potatoes I've been sticking under my mattress. <laughs> Your mattress. Yep. Dan, what other dishes have they got coming that, up? That's it. But check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going. By going to blueapron.com slash flophouse. Blueapron.com slash flophouse. Blueapron.com slash flophouse. To have your free trial of Blue Apron. It sounds like, I don't know why you're not doing this right now. Yum. Okay. We also have some jumbotrons. But first, I want to say special thank you to everybody who came out to our our double Flophouse live show at the Bell House. I had a lot of fun. I didn't think we could do it. They didn't think we could do it. No. But we did but it. We did it. Two back to back recordings. Thanks to special guest star of the show, Hallie Hagland, for mm-hmm. being with us. Thanks to everyone at the Bell House, which is a great place that we love doing stuff. Uh, and hopefully will again someday in the future. And thanks for putting up with uh, Dan's PowerPoint being done two mm-hmm. shows in a row. Twice. Stuart and I had new PowerPoints for each show. At Dan, least half of mine was new. Mine was 100% new balls. Dan. He read the same one, and the shame was palpable. And while we're at it, why don't we plug? We have uh, so, uh, well, we have no, an upcoming no, show. No, no, let's plug that at the end because uh, there's reasons for that. Stop holding me back, Dan. I want to. I want to plug this thing. No. Stop hey, holding me back, to, uh, man. So should we go to the jumbo? Okay, Dan's going to put his foot down. I have to cut out the ads for the audible version of this, but I don't want to cut out the plug for our live show. Okay, that's a little peek behind the curtain. Didn't really need to explain that okay. to us right now. Peeled my pants back. We saw what's going on. Now let's close them back up and get to the jumbotrons. I got a message here. The message is for fr. Eric. I don't know if that means frere or father. Uh, and this message is from David, last name withheld, but this is not Elliot's brother. Oh, thank goodness. And wait a minute. I think I'm going to pass the, uh, pass the Jumbotron reading details to my pal, Werner Herzog. And he says, on behalf of myself, the Dan of our family, Elliot, <laughs> the steward of uh, my mistake. I misread that. It mm. says, Emily, the steward of our family and Bridget. The Flophouse house cat of our family. We want to wish you all the best as you begin your next chapter of service in 
name of South African, South American country withheld. Man, my friend Werner Herzog's doing a terrible job yeah, of this. Maybe Let you me should finish take over this. From him. We love you, bro. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, yeah, thanks. This message is for Frere Eric. Uh, this message was meant to be on June 10th, if possible. Dan, good job. But, yep, so thank you, David. I do it when they're giving Good luck. (laughs) And I've got, that was a personal message. I've got a business message on the Jumbotron. And uh, it says this, subscribe and listen to Soulmates. We're just two married couples who love MST3K and each other, and we want to talk to you about it. Join us for custom cocktail recipes, relationship advice, and semi-intelligent conversation. Find us on Twitter at at soulmates pod that's s-o-l satellite of love mates pod and it's yes what you do listen to soulmates an mst3k fan podcast you like that elliot Mm -hmm. i mean i love mystery science theater 3000 because it's my favorite show of all time and then i got to make it living the dream and so i can't wait to listen to sol mates this mst3k fan cast and look it up on twitter at at sol mates pod well that sounds great so two lovely jumbotrons Mm mm-hmm Oh, there's I, something kind of illicit about a podcast where it's two married couples making the podcast. I believe we have a plug for a live show that uh, you wanted to do, Elliot? Yeah, I guess I'm the only one who wanted to do it. Sure, you guys don't Dan, care. Dan, stop holding me back. You've, yes, got, uh, you've got a note in front of your... You, you literally have a note in front of you on the table. That's why I went to you with it. All right. Anyway, I'll do the heavy lifting on this one, fellas. Let's say you couldn't make it to a Flophouse live show because yep. you don't live near New York. You yep. live in, say, Philadelphia, dozens mm-hmm. of miles from New York. Well, yep. you are in luck because on July 16th, that's right, two days after Bastille Day, so your Bastille Day hangover will be a thing of the past, mm-hmm. we'll be at the Philly Podcast Festival in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Why, that's the city of brotherly love. And where cheesesteaks. Indi- uh, yeah, and cheesesteaks, <laughs> true. Uh, and as I've said before, the world's greatest collection of Marcel Duchamp's work at the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Museum of Art. And it's uh, it's where they created uh, cream cheese, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. That's where they invented it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Sunday, July 16th. Doors are at 7.30 p.m. Show is at 8 p.m. Go to, go to phillypodfest.com. That's phillypodfest.com to buy your tickets to the first show we've ever done in Philadelphia, right? That's right. So what are we going to do before? We're going to run up the Rocky Steps at the Museum of Art. Probably mm-hmm. going to go to, what, Independence Hall? Try to ring that crazy cracked bell? Uh, we're going to... Uh, when are we going to announce the movie we're watching for this show, Dan? Do you have an idea of what we should watch for it? Uh, don't look at me now. I, th- I you, passed the hot potato to, to you. Me, so I'm just throwing Pass it to Elliot, dude. I only already got a hot potato this round. Oh, and I burned my hands. Luckily, it was a matched sweet potato. I don't know. Let's watch fucking Rat Race or some shit. <laughs> rat Race? <laughs> Wait, I did take <laughs> the most random movie you could think of out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I stuffed my hand deep into my... Uh, what is that? My uh, oh fuck! I couldn't remember what we called. Let's that. watch Mel Brooks's The Twelve Chairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's an okay movie. No, it's a perfectly good movie. I was just the random. Not a perfect of, movie. <laughs> perfectly good. Oh okay. Uh, yeah. What did you call it before? A chocolate depository? I don't remember. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, chocolate cavity. That's yeah. So guys, we're just gonna watch Made in America starring Whoopi Goldberg and Ten Dancing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I right. mean, we've taken a bunch of recommendations on Twitter. People sent it to me, and then I, uh, I don't have all. I gotta, I gotta collate. Uh, you know, 
you collate that numbers. data. Yeah, yeah, you got to get all Ben Affleck the accountant on those numbers. Mm-hmm. Some people uh, seem to think we should do some older movies that are Philly related. I think you meant to say somebody thinks we should do some older movies. Yeah, like in Smash Mouth terms. Yeah, like a Rocky Five or a Mannequin, which apparently I mean, Philly should, films. I'd totally watch Mannequin. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. Well, yeah, maybe we should do a special Philly film because you can't spell Philly without Phil. Special. So let's find one of the guys who's named Phil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this line of talk is. Dan, how much editing out. are you going to do on this episode? Do we got a lot more jokes here? Or are we going right no, to letters? We're going to do letters. Uh, these are letters from listeners. Now, I already sang a song earlier yeah. in the episode. So, for those of you who are looking forward to hearing a letter song from me, keep in mind I already sang a song earlier in the episode, which means you're going to get two songs this episode. Uh. Two full songs from a guy who usually sings just one. Two is more than one. Two is less than three. Two is good enough for you and for me. That's two. It's a letter for just me and you. That's two. No one else because there's just two. Two is the second number. Unless you count zero. And I don't. That's the absence of value. It's really more of a conceptual placeholder for larger numbers. Steve's going to get another beer. Two is a number I think we can rely on. Two is a number to live or die on. Two is a number for letters. Letters are numbers for you. You don't know the difference between letters and numbers, which is weird. You should have learned that. Letters uh, are for I'm the sick, words. For God's sake. Numbers are for math. I need to letters get don't rest go tonight. in math. Except I guess that algebra uses some letters. So forget what I said. I, letters are numbers. Numbers are letters. I Let's get ahead to the letters for me and you, because that makes two. I think we only got like two more of these uh, recordings in uh, in Brooklyn, right? One or two more of these don't scheduled. Don't bring us yes, down. Yes, so I gotta make the most of it. Don't yeah, bring us got... down. No, don't no, bring no, me down. Don't bring us down. When uh, I get on the floor, I'll need some more floor. Don't bring us down. Because uh, why would? Wait a minute. Why does he need so much floor? Uh, what floor is he getting on? So this first letter is from Jerob, last name withheld. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Right, that's a person's name, Stuart. What are you doing? I was talking to Dan, not talking to the person. Oh, okay. On previous Jerob e- is great. On previous episodes, Elliot offered advice on how to search the TV guide for a certain kind of content: movies <laughs> that might have topless women. If I recall correctly, the advice not was just to, topless. The advice was to avoid movies with intentionally erotic titles and seek movies with words like beach, bikini, college, and off-road. Even though this advice is completely useless in modern times, it was well-intended but tragically heteronormative. Mm-hmm. I would like you to fix one of those problems. Let's suppose you could broadcast your advice to the male-attracted youth of the past few decades. What should they search for in the TV guide? Movies featuring barbarians usually featured an oiled male lead. Lost Boys had that sax player. Top Gun had a beach volleyball scene set to playing with the boys. Mm-hmm. You, don't want to people, you don't want people to think you're a homophobe, right? Better finish this list. I mean, I don't want people to think I'm a homophobe. I'm very homo-friendly, if that's a word. Uh, I accept all types of people who do all types of things. Because you know what's great about humanity, Dan? What's what? that, Dan? The variety. Variety of people. Mm-hmm, it's a kaleidoscope. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's a weird way to put it. So people are just <laughs> falling around, like going, ah, and making different patterns. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's like a sociopath would see humanity that mm-hmm. way. But uh, here's the thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma here because... Hollywood has been heteronormative for most of its history. And so sexual movies, 
with nudity are more usually centered around female nudity than male. The flip side of this is that because men are considered the standard default body type for almost all of human history, topless men and men wearing not a lot of clothes get into a lot more movies than naked women. You can see them in all types of any movie set at a beach or a gym is going to have a muscly guy often with his shirt off. But here's the thing. If you remember my original advice, I believe the real key was if a movie says nudity in the TV guy listing, don't waste your time. Look for when it says sexual situations. Yeah. Because that's when there's going to be a ton of nudity. I would say if you're looking for male nudity, also look for the name Kevin Bacon listed. (laughs) (laughs) He does like showing his penis in movies sometimes. Or Michael Fassbender. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's not helpful for the people of the past because he was not, he didn't have a career yet. Yeah. So if we're, we're taking this advice and sending it in a time capsule back in time. And any modern action film, uh, the hero will want to take his top off at some point to show I mean, how he got totally swole for the part. Yeah, in the in the 80s especially, shirts were getting ripped off all the time. Yeah. Pants, not as much. No. I guess they could watch... Isn't there a scene in Bachelor Party at a male strip club? Yeah, 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 where Nick the Dick puts his penis in a hot dog bun. Yeah, That's yeah. That's what I was referencing when I was talking about putting a penis in a hot dog I bun. I didn't even oh, think yeah, about that. That's why I kept yeah. winking at you guys and then holding up my Bachelor Party VHS cassette. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> why you were doing that. I just wanted us to watch Bachelor Party after we were done. Yeah, with that's yeah. what I was trying to get you guys I, to do. I thought you were just reminding us that, hey, Tom Hanks may be America's <laughs> favorite dad, but he had to start somewhere, and it wasn't always so clean. <laughs> uh, I hope that helped, I guess. The next letter is from Taj, last name withheld. Mahal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I was waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Most famous Taj, other than the rise of. <laughs> Dear Floppers, I had a moment of cognitive overlap while watching the excellent new Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. For a while, I started imagining the original Peaches on the Satellite of Love with Dan as Jonah, Elliot as Crow, and Stu as Tom Servo, which raised the question, which fictional robots do you most identify with? I have my own list. Elliot is Johnny Five from Short Circuit. I'll buy that, sure. Dan is Marvin the Paranoid Android from Definitely. The Checker's Guide to the Galaxy. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Stuart is both Robot Bill and Robot Ted from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That's super accurate. <laughs> I feel like I remember this guy seeing has nailed it Bill so well. and Ted's yeah. Bogus Journey one summer when I was staying at my friend Justin Skelton's lake house. Justin Skelton, who I mentioned before as being the one who didn't watch Roseanne. Skeleton. Because yeah. it was a bum show. But we watched... <laughs> right. uh, and he was a skeleton, too. And yeah. he was a skeleton. His yeah. dad was the crypt keeper. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, and I remember seeing that movie and staying awake that <coughs> night. My brain on fire from the possibilities of this Bill and Ted universe. Oh yeah, like they expanded it so much. William Sadler is the crip as uh, as Death. It's so awesome. There's a lot. That was a weird movie. There's a lot going on in the movie. But like for my kid brain, it was the perfect thing to see. Oh man, it's so fucking good. Yeah, that's how I felt when Family Matters crossed over with Step by Step. And you're like everything, checking all my boxes. I was like, it's all I was one world. so excited to get home and watch TV on Friday nights. Oh yeah, Finally. TGI fucking f, dude. Yeah, I was thanking God every Friday that it was Friday <laughs> yep. because you, you know, were thanking a Christian God. <laughs> it was Friday night. The moon was bright. I wanted to have some fun and show them how it's done, and I did. TGIF. Um, it was weird when Perfect Strangers was part of TGIF, though. Why? Because it felt like when you, it felt a little bit like uh, when uh, when Richard Belzer joined Law and Order, uh-huh. where it was like, wait a minute, you're not from this place. 
You're from another place. You're a ringer. Okay. So I and when dinosaurs was on that. Oh my lord. Yeah. I mean, I would have accepted. What dreams being, may come. I also would have accepted being the Iron Giant. So that question, I guess, was about TGI. I mean, it wasn't a question. No, the he question. He answered the question. He answered his own question. Is, is your objection here? So you don't have not any. not an objection. Yeah. Were we supposed to answer it? Elliot he gave also great could, answers. Sometimes I could see Elliot or Dan being that little nerdy robot from Futurama, the little orphan robot. And with I the could crushes. see that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I always, I always, because I'm a small guy, I always sympathize with the robots from Batteries Not Included. Mm-hmm. Also, because I'm always <laughs> being confused for a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that you would have to cross. Uh, Hot buns. Cross Marvin with hedonism bot to get to me. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. Yeah, but like 95% Marvin. Yeah. But like the laziness of hedonism. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Marvin accomplishes a lot. And when people ask him to do... No, it's true, because Dan, when I was your supervisor at The Uh Daily Show, when I'd ever ask you to do things, you would go, really? And it was like, yeah, that's what Marvin does. Yeah. Rain the size of a planet. You, you could, you, and I'm fetching those guys. You could, when you're delivering that news to Dan, you could see in his eyes the hours of napping that he doesn't get to do. <laughs> I saw his projected nap meter falling. Yeah, Dan? Sorry that turned into some Dan bashing. That wasn't fair. You know what? But the thing is, when it came, when the when the rubber hit the road, when the pizza hit the mouth, you got that shit done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. When hey. the pizza hit the mouth. <laughs> Uh, so this is from Randy, last name with help. Randy Spears. While making my way through your back catalog, it dawned on me that Dan and Stewart's tour at Earlham College coincided with my stint as an assistant manager at that sole blockbuster video in that little burg. It warms my heart to think I might have rented a copy of Castle Freak to an impressionable young Stuart Wellington. It frustrated me to no end that the store was lumped into block- blockbuster's blue-collar rural category, despite the presence of the despite the presence, sorry, of Earlham College. That lovely little label meant that on new release day, the store would get, say, 10 copies of Biodome and one copy of Fargo. Let's just say the wrestling, i.e. wrestling section, nearly outweighed the foreign film section. I mean, the, those wrestlers are huge. I'm not surprised they don't outweigh the foreign actors. No, sir. We don't, ca- <laughs> we don't carry the seventh seal, but we're stocked to the cock with WrestleMania 8. Stock to the cock's a common phrase. <laughs> it's in the blockbuster. Said that to my pastor. It's in the blockbuster handbook. <laughs> I did what I could to recommend the gems we did have, like the City of Lost Children and Tetsuo the Iron Man. <laughs> what a weird like that's if I went to a video store and this is someone who's seen Tetsuo the Iron Man, appreciated certain aspects of it. If I went to a video store and the guy was like, dude, 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 don't take, I don't know what, Groundhog Day or something. Don't take Tetsuo to Body Hammer. Just go go get Tetsuo the Iron Man. You're gonna love it. I would return to that video store and say, Sir, what do you think I am? Uh, if you boys frequent, then I pick up Tetsuo Dan, to what the hammer. fuck? We have a letter from the manager of the blockbuster from the little town we went to school, and that's crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna skip a, a couple paragraphs. I'm I'm trying to recall <laughs> if I ever saw someone Danish awkwardly trying the stockroom door in the hope of finding porn beyond. No, Every we sh- went to family video for that, homie. Well, yeah, here you go. Every <laughs> shift, some dude would try the door, only to be pelted with judgmental stares. Blockbuster, blockbuster never carried it. The closest thing we stocked was the bank dick and maybe Chisholm. How weird is it the family video carries adult videos? Something for the whole family, I guess. Uh, what do they call it? Cock blockbuster. 
So family video was raw as hell, dude. I ran all <laughs> kinds of crazy shit from there. Hey, man, how do you think you make families? That's true. By really. doing it. Thanks for the many hours of pod. Stay pretty. Thanks, man. I'm trying to remember the blockbuster in that town. I remember going there with friends who were from the East Coast who would get so mad at how long the lines were and how everyone took way too much time. Yeah. My friend Jordana, would, who was from like Rochester, New York, was like, these people in the Midwest take too long in lines. And I'm like, Rochester's kind of the Midwest, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've told the story. I'm sure I've told this story before, but the thing I remember about the Blockbuster is going there with Bill Hickey, and uh, they had the boyfriend school, a.k.a. Don't Tell Her It's Me, yep. on the wall there. And it was a, always rented out by with me. A, with a sticker that said, guaranteed entertainment. <laughs> Because uh, it's from, not fucking wrong, dude. Because a guy from that shit would hold like, up in court. Yeah, in Orleans, a guy yeah. from New Orleans is putting the stickers on. <laughs> ah, boyfriend, school, I guarantee <laughs> entertainment. Uh, one last quick, very quick message from Kevin. Last name withheld. I was. <laughs> I'm glad he's like get, get the burglars out of my house, please. <laughs> so we need to talk about me. I was at the Bell House early show. One <laughs> the burglars the- <laughs> out of my house. Dear Flop House, love your podcast. The wet bandits are attacking and it's Christmas. And you're like, oops, a little late on this part. And we look up online and it says, boy killed in apparent home invasion. <laughs> wet bandits claim another life. <laughs> they had earlier shot Gene Smart. Oh, boy. Yep, wet, wet with blood. Wait, so Dan, are you implying that the accountant takes place in a timeline <laughs> right before Home Alone. That's right. They and share the, the wet, Home alone verse. The wet bandits were the assassins that John Lithgow hired to kill his unrelated, wife. It was an unrelated, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was an unrelated break-in. And the wet <laughs> bandits, so there's just, I have this image of Daniel Stern now shaking, traumatized, throwing up in the bathroom. And Joe Pesci's like, so you, so you killed someone. What's the problem? He's like, I can't do that ever again, boss. From now on, we're no longer the gun bandits. We'll be the wet bandits. We're only hitting on Christmas Eve when we know people aren't going to be around anymore. Man, yeah. that's a lot of backstory that I think really helps shape the movie. Mm-hmm. So a little context to this last letter. Uh, in the live show that we taped, which will not uh, be released ever until August, probably. Yeah. Uh, I promised people in line who we did not get to uh, their question that I would, if you wrote in and saying that you were one of the four people in line who did not get your question answered, we'd be sure to answer it on the show. Mm-hmm. And so this person writes. Dan was doing anything he could to get some goodwill from this crowd. Oh, man. After they saw him do the same presentation twice, mm-hmm. they were He started happy. taking his clothes off and were like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. They when like he, you for your mind. At one point, he was just throwing $10 bills into the audience. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's like $400 you just threw out there. Uh, Kevin writes, I was at the Bell House early show and one was, the, one was one of the last four standing in line when you said if we emailed you, you would answer it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. My question is, how are you going to determine whether I'm lying or not? Oh. Good question, Kevin. Wait, so was he going to ask that the at answer, the show? <laughs> that would be the weird. answer is, I don't care, and you've wasted your question. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Don't get close to Dan. He's <laughs> going Super Saiyan on us. Oh, Dan got fierce all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's always been inside me. You got him, dude. To- Spring out. Yeah. I like to think that all the uh, all the sass that Elliot and I have been shoveling onto you just got directed at an unwitting target. Yeah, just some rando. <laughs> uh, but I read about this in your comic book, The Passive-Aggressive Hulk. <laughs> 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 he, goes, he goes, don't get me pissy. 
You wouldn't mm. like me when I'm pissy. The no one is. likes anyone when they're pissy. <laughs> yeah, but you especially wouldn't like me. Bob Guccione Jr. loves it when people are pissy. <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. What, a, what an apt reference to the history of <laughs> Penthouse Magazine. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, okay. Flophouse so. after dark. Tell the family to leave the room. <laughs> unless they're a family video kind of family, in which case bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh this is the last segment of the show it's where we recommend movies that you should watch instead of the accountant uh i'll go first because uh shit we still have to do this yep. i uh recently we rewatched never sleeps i recently rewatched dr strange love or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb uh which how's I, uh, benedict cumberbatch in that Oh boy! <laughs> Was Jackie Chan in that? <laughs> Let's see, all right. Tilda Swinton is no that all right. That character was played by Peter Sellers. Okay. All right, that other character was played by Peter Sellers. That other character was played Wouldn't by it Peter have been Sellers. Great to have a movie with Peter yeah. Sellers and Jackie Chan in it. Jackie Chan oh. was not in that movie. I would love that. The physical comedy alone. Oh yeah. Um. So, <coughs> pardon me. Um. This is a movie I, you know, I got in the Criterion Collection disc for Christmas, and I never got around to cracking it open. And I rewatched it today. You cracked the disc, and it was broken, so you had to buy a new one. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, surprise, surprise, it's great. Everyone likes Doctor Strangelove. There's no need for me to tell you to go out and see it. It's about a uh, there's a U.S. general who goes crazy and sends out some. Uh, instructions to his bombers to go bomb Russia with their nuclear payload. And uh, the rest of the movie is taken up with them. The uh, president and other generals and various people trying to get those uh, planes back from creating the nuclear war. And uh, we see inside the plane that's uh, going there too with Slim Pickens being the uh, person in the Plane. I'm getting real fady here, guys. So maybe just okay, finish it up hot and we potato. can take over. Um, but it's great. It it works in part because it's serious in its comedy stylings. It was based on a serious book, and uh, it's probably an apocryphal story. But uh, the rumor is that Stanley Kubrick didn't even tell Slim Pickens they were making a comedy. Um. And that helps the comedy go over. I find that very hard to believe. I find it hard to believe, too. That's why I said it's probably apocryphal. But it gives you I a feel sense like that's of... That's the kind of thing that plays on the idea that Slim Pickens was not an actor, but was just like the character he was playing. Mm-hmm. Like he's the little girl in the fall. Yeah, like in when he was making 1941, the, Steven Spielberg didn't tell him it was, a, it was a comedy. He told him it was a documentary, and so he really swallowed all that stuff so he could poop it out. Until he saw the movie, and he's like, whoa, this is so incredibly hilarious. It's got to be a comedy. <laughs> it's so gut-bustingly funny. I should have given you a much bigger laugh, Stuart, for your, refer- <laughs> your reference to the girl in the fall. <laughs> Slim Pickens thinks this is actually happening around him. <laughs> One tiny note before I pass this along. Uh, the great title sequence of Dr. Strangelove was made by Pablo Ferro, who did the title sequence to Stop Making Sense in a very similar style. So that's another recommendation for Stop Making Sense. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. In, every, in, in the universe, every movie leads to Stop Making Sense for Dan. There could be a movie called Make Sense for Once, and Dan would turn it into an ad for Stop Making Sense. So like it's such an interesting play on the subtle name of Stop Making Sense. 
subtle name of something. I don't fucking know, dude. It's late. So, Stuart, do you have a movie to recommend? Hell yeah, I do, dude. This one's for the horror freaks out there. <laughs> 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 Calling all horror hounds. Woof, woof. <laughs> uh, yeah, so strap on your barf bags. I got another edition of Stuart's <laughs> Horror Hound uh, recommendation. Really a long time to introduce this recommendation. <laughs> and horror hound candies to give out. Mmm. <laughs> Okay, now that I got you slobbering. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the dogs you are. I'm gonna Lap reco- it up. I'm, I'm going to recommend uh, a little movie called The Black Coat's Daughter. This was a movie that was made in 2015 and sat on the shelf for like a year and a half. Uh, so long that the director's uh, other movie, I Am the Pretty Thing That li- Lives in the House, came out before this was even released. Uh, it is, you know, it's a horror movie about, uh, it seems to be about a pair of girls who are, for whatever reasons, uh, spending their winter break stuck in a, like a Catholic boarding school. Uh, one of the girls is played by Kiernan Shipka, who is great. And this solidifies my long held belief that she, would be a great asset to any kind of horror movie because she is able to pull off this like kind of blank mystery that uh, I kind of always felt that way in Mad Men. Like I was always like, there's something kind of crazy about this person or like for whatever reason she makes the scene she's in kind of eerie. And it's, it's a movie that is patient and kind of quiet uh, don't expect it to be particularly fast moving, but I think it's very well shot. Uh, it kind of fit, it fits pretty snugly in with the current uh, thread of like prestige horror movies. And um, I don't want to talk too much about the plot because I I think it's you know it's twist and turns. Yeah, I mean there's some, uh, but it does have a great performance by my man James Remar from the movie Quiet Cool. Sure, yeah. And lots of uh, other things. Yeah, so uh, if if you're looking for, if you like a movie, say, kind of like The Witch, in that it's kind of slow moving, um, and it has some similar themes, uh, maybe check out The Black Coat's Daughter. All right. Well, guys, you know what? I'm going to break with Flophouse tradition, and for, I think, the second time in the history of my recommendations, I'm not going to recommend a movie, because I haven't seen any movies lately that I really uh-huh. loved. I'm going to recommend a book. Whoa. Whoa. A movie for your mind. But there's a connection to movies, which I'll tell you about. This is a novel that came out the year before last and won a little thing called the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, and it's called The Sympathizer by Viet Thanh Nguyen. And, uh, or Tan Nguyen? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Anyway, it's a really great book about a uh, the starting with the fall of Saigon and the end of the Vietnam War, a guy who is a North Vietnamese Viet Cong agent who has been undercover for a long time within the South Vietnamese Army. He becomes part of the Vietnamese refugee community in the United States and is still continuing with his work, but is finding it more and more difficult to understand kind of why he's doing what he's doing or what side he's really on or what what's going on in his life. And there's a long sequence in the middle in which he gets hired to be the technical advisor on a movie that is essentially Apocalypse Now – and it is scathing in its satire about the depiction of the Vietnam War and the Vietnamese people by American movies. And it was a section that really made me 
rethink the way I feel about some of those movies. And Apocalypse Now, a movie that I think is great, and I'll just I just have taken it for granted for a long time that it's great, and very much about uh, this kind of phasm- phantasmagoric version of the American experience in the Vietnam War, but made me rethink some of my assumptions about how you tell stories about wars and basically like, that. like a like a look at uh, like american colonialism or uh or more that it's the experience of the kind of uh blindness and hubris that leads a guy to be like i'm gonna make the ultimate statement on this war are there gonna be any vietnamese characters in it not really yeah. they kind of exist to be shot or to shoot and just then the main character's frustration with this is is scathing and but also and like painful for someone who likes that movie, but in a good, funny way. So it's a heartbreaking novel at times, but it's also really funny. So The Sympathizer. I was kind of shocked. Uh, what was that Mel Gibson Vietnam movie? We were soldiers. We were uh, warriors once. Or we were once I, I think, warriors. I think once we were warriors. No, once we were. No, that's yeah. right. I think we it's were we soldiers were soldiers. Once and young. Yeah, but like I think it was. That, uh, I was surprised that, that that's one of the only Vietnam movies that I can think of that feels like it spends almost as much time on the the Vietnamese characters as it does the American characters. I haven't seen it. There's very few. It's, I, mean, I mean, I remember putting it off and then actually seeing it and being like, okay, this is actually, I remember it being surprisingly good. And, at, you know, I don't know, like Mel Gibson is not a filmmaker that I go out of my way to defend. But I remember it being pretty good. But it, it taps into a feeling I had when I finally got around to seeing The Year of Living Dangerously, where like this nation is in upheaval and the people who actually live in the country are being killed by the score. But like, oh, good, Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver got out. So I guess everything turned out OK. Yeah. And uh, the stuff he says is ju- or it's just like really brutal, but also very funny. So and uh, what's the name of the book It's called The Sympathizer? I'll lend it to you if you want. It's really good. So three great recommendations, two of which follow the rules of the podcast, and one of which has been disqualified. Uh, still oh, up on you've the been cast into another dimension. No. You're in the Phantom Zone now. No, but another that means dimension. I'll survive the destruction of this planet. So score? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And All the right. president will kneel before me. Well, it's after midnight, and I... We're going to let it all hang out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting any less sick, so... Uh, Let's, uh, uh, that's actually very bad, Dan. Your your immune system should be working on that illness. Yeah, let's stop. When this you thing. reach a certain age, your body just kind of breaks down. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't I know it? I've been experiencing that. I threw out my back like two weeks ago, and I'm a pile of fucking garbage right now. He really is. He's literally he's the pile of garbage from Fraggle Rock. Mm-hmm. I'm the pile of garbage uh, that what Chet turns into in Weird Science. Yeah, I was gonna say you look a little better than that. You're more of a Pizza the Hut type. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, why are you eating parts of my body, Elliot? Oh, it's just so delicious. Nom, nom, mm. nom, nom, the weirdest nom. thing about that movie is when uh, that silver guy starts eating Pizza the Hut. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time I'm like, how does that affect his makeup? Like, <laughs> is he getting makeup on his pizza? What's going on? Also, the fact that Pizza the Hut doesn't really mind is strange. I mean, it's probably just like dead skin cells, right? I guess that's fair. That's fair. Like if someone started cutting off pieces of your hair. I don't understand the biology of Pizza the Hut. Oh, and and we don't speak Huddies, which is his language. (laughs) No one longer. (laughs) All right. That's enough of that. Uh, For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Oh, I've been Stuart Wellington. And remembering (laughs) my order in the goodbyes and hellos, I'm Elliot Kalin. See you next time. I was thinking about other fucking Huddies shit. They'll hear us. We won't see them. I was going to say, like, Pizza Nobata. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no Java pepperoni. <laughs> Okay, you thir- you still thirsty, boy? Or you good? I am thirsty. Okay. My tummy's feeling better. Oh, right. that's nice. To I hear. wiped it out. We have so many messed up tum tum tums around here. Yeah, this is we actually call this the the tummy cast. See, tummy house. See, the problem with uh, my tummy is my back tummy. Oh uh, yeah, and I've got a I got a case of mummy tummy. Oh, mummy tummy. Yeah, my is that when you was... eat too much uh, yummy mummy cereal? Yeah, and then your stomach gets ripped out and put in a jar to contain oh, your. Oh, a canoptic jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, wonderful. Well, at least all your servants will be killed too. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.